You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Y'all are looking good out there, man. Hey, uh, before we get started today, we continue our series through the book of Acts. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Uh, we will actually be in Acts chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 17 through 39. If you need to flip there or find it on your phone. Uh, I'd like to pray for us, uh, if that's okay with everybody. Lord, I just come to you right now, and uh, God, I lift up every single person that is under the sound of my voice, those that are joining us online, uh, those that are here live today, God. Uh, you have been doing some incredible things through the book of Acts as we've preached through this book and, and uh, really seen what the church should be all about. And today is no different, God. But today hits a little different because uh, it's very serious. Selfishly, as a pastor, Lord, I I just pray that we grab a hold of the truths today that are found in your scriptures and uh, allow them to mold us and shape us. And where there needs to be repentance, there's repentance. Where there needs to be change, there's change. Where there needs to be anything else, God, you just lead. And so, Lord, we give this time to you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, we're going to continue to see Paul's journey. And if you remember, uh, the last several weeks we've been watching as Paul has been making his way to Jerusalem. And today, he's going to get to Jerusalem And if I was going to give the sermon a title today, it would be this, just to give you an idea of what's coming. Uh, When gossip takes over and leads to misunderstanding would be the title of the sermon today. When gossip takes over and leads to misunderstanding. Let's kick it off, Acts chapter 21, verse 17, because we got a lot of scripture today, quite a bit to talk about. Y'all ready? Say, I am. It's going to be a good day says this, when we arrived at Jerusalem, okay, now just notice right off the bat, okay, they're getting to Jerusalem, and Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, as we've discussed the last couple of weeks, he's still the constant companion to to Paul, okay, he's using we, he's using us, they're with Paul, he has this entourage with him. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James and all the other elders who were present. So they go to Jerusalem to really visit the OG church, the original church that was really formed in the city of Jerusalem. And it says this in Paul in verse 19. Paul greeted them and reported in detail, and listen to this phrase, what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. So Paul shows up and he says, hey guys, we just got done with our third missionary journey and I just got to tell you, you wouldn't believe what all was going on. They didn't have text messages back then. They didn't have social media to keep everybody up to date. So he gives this report to the church in Jerusalem, specifically uh, to the elders and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And notice what he says. It says that he reported on all that God had done. Nowhere does it say that Paul says, you wouldn't believe what I did. You wouldn't believe what the churches did. You wouldn't believe what me and my people did. He's very clear and very concise to point out that God did all of these amazing and good things. 
One of the first lessons I learned in ministry from one of my mentors, Pastor Tony Wilson, who is now the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church down in Saudi Daisy. He was the pastor of Pineen right down the road. Uh, he sat me down in his office and he said, Josh, there's going to be three things in your ministry that you're going to be tempted by that Satan will use. And you need to stay away from these three things. They're referred to as the three G's. My whole staff knows what the three G's are. The first is stay away from God's girls. And everybody in here would say, well, duh. Amen, y'all? Like, don't go, yeah, don't, don't, don't fall into lust, okay? Stay true to your wife, right? The second is stay away from God's gold. In other words, don't not necessarily steal, but don't use the gifts and talents God has given you in order to manipulate people, in order to make money. Because a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers do that, right? And so stay away from God's girls, stay away from God's gold. And then he said, the third one is the sneakiest one. Stay away from God's glory. Stay away from God's glory. Notice, it's not about Paul's glory. He's giving all the glory to God. Now, have you guys ever heard that phrase? Uh, I'm going to tell you, there's good news. And then there's what, y'all? Bad news, okay? Paul just gave us the good news, but they're getting ready to give Paul some bad news. And as we've established throughout the book of Acts, any time God is doing a great work, Satan is going to do a work to try to combat the move of God. Watch what happens. They're like, hey, Paul, that's great. You're killing it. Missionary journey. People are getting saved. That's wonderful. Then they said to Paul, you see, brother, we got some bad news. How many thousands of Jews have believed? In other words, here in Jerusalem, there's a ton of people that were Jewish, that were Hebrews, that have been saved as a result of the preaching of the gospel. He says, thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are, here's this phrase, zealous for the law. So he's pointing out to Paul when he first says this, there's a lot of Hebrews that have become Christians in the city of Jerusalem. Now, where it says zealous of the law, what he means is these Hebrew Christians had a renewed joy in the law of the Old Testament as a means to demonstrate their love for God and their love for others. The question arises when we hear the phrase zealous for the law, does it mean they were legalistic? Maybe, but clearly they're pointing out that they're not necessarily wrong in following the law. Romans chapter 14, Paul points this out. He says, hey, there's some people that follow the law. They worship on a certain day. They follow the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And that's the way that they glorify God and they demonstrate their worship for God so we shouldn't judge them. So these are Hebrew Christians that feel, still follow the law strictly, not necessarily legalistic. They're just following the Old Testament law. Is everybody with me? Say, I am. Verse 21, watch what happens. Here's, here's really the bad news. They have been informed. Oh, I hate that phrase. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. I've known for a long time that human beings are really sick. But this week, it went to a whole nother level for me. I was at my gym, and at my gym, they have you know, 10 or 20 treadmills that are lined up, and then they've got like five to 10 different TVs in front of the treadmills. 
And this week, uh, I started walking on one of the treadmills in order to warm up. And now that I'm 42, my warm-up takes longer than my workout. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, unless I want to get hurt. And so um, I'm, I'm on there for a pretty significant amount of time is what I'm trying to tell you, trying to get loose and trying to get warm. And on the TV in front of me, a show was on. I couldn't believe this show. The show was called Dr. Pimple Popper. And it's exactly what you think it is based off the name of the show. And I sat there for about five minutes watching this show. Couldn't eat, like There was not even any sound. And I was like, i got to switch treadmills because I'm about to throw up everywhere. And I thought to myself, what is wrong with human beings? How in the world could there be a TV show that gets millions of viewers called Dr. Pimple Popper, I would ask and say, do you watch that show in here? Raise your hand. But I think it would depress me, y'all. I really think I'd go home going, I thought I was doing a good job discipling people. I don't know what's going on here. People are sick, man. They're sick. There's proof of it right there. You know, the other proof that we're sick is the fact that every single one of us struggle with something called gossip. It says that they have been informed. In other words, Paul, there's rumors floating around about you. There's gossip going around. People are talking about you and saying things that aren't even necessarily true. Let me give you a working definition of gossip and then give you a couple of other definitions. The first one's going to be on the screen so that you can take a picture of it and make it your screensaver. And this is why I prayed at the beginning that I hope we get this message today because I know how we are. Gossip is defined as casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. As they leave that up there for you guys to really gnaw on that and hopefully let that sink in, let me give you two more definitions. Gossip is derogatory information about someone that you have that is shared with others in the tone of confidentiality. More on that here in just a second. Gossip is, thirdly, a way of talking about someone behind his or her back that creates a negative image of the ones being talked about. Now, in every city, there's gossip. In every organization, there's gossip. In any group of people... Uh, You can't help but have gossip. And clearly this passage is telling us, guess where else we're going to struggle with gossip? In the church. There's gossip. How many of y'all know that's true? Say amen. See, it's getting hot for some people in here. It's going to get even hotter here in a minute. I'll just go ahead and tell you guys this. I've been in full-time ministry for 16, 17 years now, somewhere around there. Well over 50% of what church leaders deal with on a day-to-day basis on the micro and the macro has to do with gossip. Ask any of our staff, they'll tell you. Every fire we put out usually has to do with gossip and rumors that are swirling around and we have to clarify things. And It's amazing how we can struggle with this. Some of you, let me say this, some of us, because I think at one time I really struggled with this as well, still do sometimes, have a stronghold 
of gossip in your life. You don't think it's that bad, but it is. It's demonic and it's sinful. And listen to me when I say this biblically, you don't think it's that bad. You think, well, I just gossip a little here and there. It's the exact same as someone that's addicted to fentanyl or meth. It is destructive and it is a sin that needs to be eradicated. Gossip is interesting because anytime somebody gossips, it's so crazy our human nature because we want people to lose, you know? But the reason we do it is because we want someone else to look bad because it makes us feel better. We want someone else to look bad because it makes us look better at its core. It's pride. It's so many things. In nine years at Revolution Church, boy, we've heard some doozies of rumors and gossip. Y'all know that's true. Amen, y'all? I mean, some, some stuff that just has blown my mind. I've shared with you some of them. Uh, the student ministry here at Revolution Church, man, they're absolutely crushing it right now. It's amazing to see what's happening in it. Running triple digits on a regular basis now. Pastor Brandon's being used in an incredible way. Let's give him a hand. He's on the front row. Crushing it. Crushing it. He hates it when I do that, okay? Uh, he's getting ready to have a third baby this week. Not him, but his wife. And so y'all need to be praying for him. That'd be weird. We'd be a weird church. But some people believe that can happen. But anyway, that's not what this sermon's about. But... uh uh, they do crazy stuff in there. They do. You'll come in here some Sundays and confetti's falling from the ceiling and all kinds of stuff. And they play some crazy games. Uh, they play this one game every once in a while called something like What Is It or something like that where Brandon will bring all kinds of different things in and they'll blindfold some of the students and they have to feel whatever it is and try to guess what it is. And so, uh, you know, he'll stick their hands in jello, and they're like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's so gross. And I think he brought a horse in one time for that. We had a horse come into this sanctuary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think that's awesome. Uh, it didn't leave anything behind, but I just think it's awesome, you know. I mean, most churches, they have a conniption if you bring a cup of coffee. We had a horse in our sanctuary, you know. Uh, but I remember during one of those, um, he had somebody bring their snake in, like a boa constrictor snake. And this kid's feeling the snake. Well, what do you guess the rumor about Rev Church was the next week after there was pictures of a kid touching a snake on the student page on social media? We're the snake handling church. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. You know what I mean? Like, we're the ones that have snakes and all that stuff. And, yeah, it's just crazy, some of the rumors. Recently, I've heard you know, a little bit of gossip going around Rev Church. We identified... Uh, as I told you guys a few weeks ago, this isn't the main scoreboard we use, but our, our attendance is up about 30% on Sundays. And uh, if you haven't noticed, they're doing construction out here. Did y'all know that? And they've taken half our parking lot. Y'all notice that? Like there's mud everywhere. It's a big mess. And, and so we identified, we knew this was coming one day here at the mall, but we identified that, you know, they've taken half the parking lot. And some of the people that don't get around so good are having to park way over there next to where Vanity Fair is and walk quite a ways to the front door. And so we said, man, wouldn't it be nice if we could, you know, in the rain and in the mud and all those things, just transport those people from far away. We need a golf cart. We need a golf cart. And so I got on social media back when I had Facebook. And by the way, 
I have deleted my Facebook. I didn't unfriend you, okay? Uh, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about renouncing things for Christ. Well, I felt very strongly that the Lord was convicting me right after I preached that to get rid of my Facebook because there's very little reward and there's a whole lot of risk, okay, for lead pastors. And so, um, so I didn't delete you, okay, but, but uh, I put something on Facebook that was like, hey, does anybody know where we can find a golf cart? And we have a golf cart now. We have a golf cart now. I think that's great. Because, and it's interesting because, like, what's happening right now is, like, the young people, they've got such great attitudes. We offer them a ride, and they're like, no, 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 we'll save it for the people that need it. You know what I mean? And the old folks are like, I'm not getting on that thing and looking like I'm an old person. I'll just walk. You know what I mean? You guys won't do it. It's so crazy. Take the ride. It's okay, okay, y'all? Like, it's all good. And so it's so crazy. Like, we're, not many people want to ride. But, um, but, you know, somebody said something to the effect of, what are we buying a golf cart for? We're building a building. Well, even if we had bought a golf cart, who cares? But we didn't buy a golf cart. Somebody donated the golf cart to the church. So shut your freaking mouth. You know what I mean? Like, can I just say that on behalf of everyone else? We love you. Okay? Listen, if that was you, have a little humility. Just go back to the people you gossip to and say, hey, I was wrong. Pastor Josh set me straight. You know, I, I was just making something up that, you know, hadn't been confirmed as being true. So, so gossip can be these little rumors that start in these little things. And the things we're talking about today, they're kind of funny, the snake and the golf cart and all those things. But they turn into very serious things, very, very serious things. Let me give you guys just four scriptures on gossip, okay? And there's so much scripture on gossip. Just Google uh, scripture gossip and read all the scriptures, okay? Uh, this should really make it clear for us. Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Hey, Let's talk about the fact that we're going to baptize a record number of people this year at Rev Church. Let's talk about the fact that our discipleship systems are more effective than they've ever been at Revolution Church. More people than ever going through the growth track, discovering their purpose so that they can make a difference in the kingdom. Don't talk about a golf cart. Y'all know what I'm saying? James chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to this one. Those who consider themselves religious, like you say you love Jesus, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And then my favorite, really, passage about gossip is Proverbs 26, verses 20 through 22. Let's look at these three verses. The first one says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Without wood, a fire goes out. I uh, like to do bonfires with my kids. We, that's when we have our prayer time, and we make it a big deal. Tip for the parents in here, don't make prayer lame. Make it something that your kids are like, yes, prayer time tonight. And that's what we do. We get a bonfire going, and, and we uh, get the guitar out and invite all our neighbors, and we have a good time, and our kids love it. And so uh, not that I'm, like, trying to be spiritual or anything. It's just what we do. And we get, like, I don't chop wood. I told you all I'm a city guy, so I don't, like, chop wood. I'm built for show, not to go, in other words. You all know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and so, uh, so I don't chop wood. I go buy those pre-made logs at Walmart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The ones where, like, you light them and there's no smoke and, you know, the, the, the wimpy logs. You know what I'm saying? The easy ones. And uh, when you light those things, they stay lit for about an hour, hour and a half. 
if you just, you know, let them sit there and leave them alone. And usually when I'm with my kids doing bonfire, I'm done in about 30 or 45 minutes. I'm ready to go in. I'm kind of over it, you know, but they're always begging me. Can we throw another log on the fire? And I'm like, no, we'll be out here for three hours if we do that. One time I went inside, got a drink and came back out and they had thrown another log on there. And I was so upset because I was like, what are you doing now? We got to stay out here till 11 o'clock at night and make sure that these things don't burn the house down. What in the world? Why did you put another log on? I was so frustrated because it extended the fire. That's what a gossip does when you're dealing with things like unforgiveness, bitterness, misunderstandings, relationships. Throw gossip into the mix and it just keeps that fire burning. So without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. People that love drama gossip. You ever notice that? And you ever notice, like, you know who the gossips are, the people that have this stronghold in their life. Like, we know who you are. Because we don't have to find you, you find us. You ever notice that? They make sure to find you. Ooh, another victim. Let's see if they're cool with talking junk about people. We love this point, don't we? No way, like very few amens today. Last verse, verse 22, it says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Well, I'm just a sounding board for my friend. I'm just letting them vent to me because they need somebody to talk to. I'm just trying to help them work through it. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's destroying you. You are consuming it, and it is going down inside of you, and it is ruining you. It is choice morsels. You hang around a gossip too long, you're going to find that your relationship with Jesus is going to start to suffer. You're going to start to have a negative outlook on everything in life, and you're going to start to struggle with gossip yourself. Everybody with me? Say amen. Gossip. So there's rumors going around about Paul. And the elders say this, what shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you to do. They try to take a wisdom route here. They're like, let's, let's try to offset this gossip by doing something without having a big, a big knockdown drag out. So do what we tell you to do. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses. I'm going to explain what all this is, this vow so that they can have their heads shaved. That sounds really weird. I'm going to explain it, okay? Then everyone will know there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision. This is a hearkening back to Acts chapter 15 when they decided that they didn't have to be circumcised, the Gentiles, and they just repeat, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food, sacrificed to idols, from blood, uh, from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. Can you imagine being on Paul's mission team? I was thinking about this last week when Paul's like, I'm ready to die for the gospel. I mean, I'd be sitting there thinking, well, you may be, but what about me, bro? Like, I'm part of your entourage here, right? I want you to notice 
from here on out, he no longer has an entourage with him. They fade into the background. Luke stops using we and stops using us. And as really this kicks off Paul's fourth missionary journey, the prison tour, the prison missionary journey, more on that here in just a minute, uh, we see that Luke is no longer with him, and here Paul is on his own again. What the elders are essentially saying is, Paul, there's a lot of rumors about you that you hate the law and that you don't want to have anything to do with the law. So let's try to think of a way and use wisdom to get out of this again so there's not a big, huge ordeal about this. Let's have you sponsor four men that are doing a vow. Most likely what he was referring to was a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow may sound familiar to you. It's one of Israel's most ancient customs that really encapsulated that you abstain from three different things. One of the things you abstain from is product from the vine, which would be grapes, raisin, vinegar, wine. Secondly, you would have no contact with the dead. And thirdly, you would allow your hair to grow without cutting it. Two of the most famous uh, people that have taken a Nazarite vow previously in Scripture. You remember a guy from the Old Testament that when he cut his hair, he lost his strength? Samson, he took a Nazarite vow. Also, John the Baptist. In this particular time, in this day and age of Paul's time, uh, most Nazarite vows were temporary, though. They weren't lifelong. And at the end of the vow, for the person to get out of the vow, two things had to take place. One thing was the hair that they'd allowed to grow. This sounds weird, but this is what they did. They would shave that hair, give it to the priests, and they would burn it on the altar. The second thing they would have to do is special ceremonial sacrifices with extremely expensive animals that would cause them to be out of the, out of the vow. Well, they encourage Paul, why don't you essentially sponsor four men that have taken this vow and pay for their sacrifices that essentially like one sacrifice would have been a small fortune and everybody would have been talking about it. But the fact that Paul does four of them would have essentially made front page news. Like every single Jew would have known Paul paid for four different guys that are getting out of their Nazarite vow all this money uh, so that they could get out of this. What this would do, and this was their theory, is that this would demonstrate Paul's high regard for the Jewish tradition and for the Old Testament law. And as a result of that, no conscientious Jew could accuse Paul of denigrating Judaism and saying that people shouldn't follow the law. Does this make sense to everybody? Say amen. Okay, let's see what happens. Let's see if this works. Watch what happens next in verse 27. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia. These are Jewish non-believers from the city of Ephesus that have followed Paul just about everywhere to get people stirred up. Now they're in Jerusalem. Some, Jewish, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up. Listen to what this says, y'all. They stirred up the whole crowd, even... The Hebrew Christians were stirred up. The people that love Jesus are listening to this, getting stirred up. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. There was a place in the temple where there was a wall, and if you took Greeks onto the other, t other side of that wall, you could be stoned for it. They're accusing Paul of all these untruths. They'd previously seen Paul 
uh, with Trophimus in the Ephesian city. Uh, the Ephesian in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was around. I can't, can't stress this enough. The whole city, even the Christians. Does everybody see this? It doesn't say just lost people were fired up. It says the whole city was around. Remember previously, thousands of Jews have accepted Christ. The whole city was aroused. And the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. A city with thousands of people. And a small handful come in and get every single one of them stirred up. It's amazing, isn't it? How a squeaky wheel can ruin a whole group of people. See, as we've established, in every city, in every group of people, in every organization, in every church, there's going to be these kinds of things that happen. But I believe that this in Jerusalem happening shows us what happens in a city, in a church, in an organization. I believe 90% of the people in this story, they're just going along with life. They're good. I believe most of y'all that come to church, 90, 95% of you guys are good people. You just want to come to church. You want to worship Jesus. You want to be encouraged. You want to learn about the Bible. You want to like raise your kids in a ministry that's teaching about God and you're trying to raise them. Does that make sense to everybody? Like most everybody in here, like you're like that. You just kind of like want to do this thing and reach people for Jesus. But there's some people, there's a handful. I don't know what the percentage is, that 5 to 10%. They want to cause trouble. I was reading this week, Twitter which is known to be one of the most toxic places you can spend your time uh, in the world. I know it's a forum online, but spending your time on Twitter, it's known to be one of the most negative and toxic places that there is. Did you know 2% of the people do 90% of the tweets on Twitter? 2% of the people make Twitter one of the most toxic places you can spend your time. Isn't that amazing? There's a great... Uh, film that is all about theology. It's called Wreck-It Ralph 2. And there is a great quote in that movie. Everything has theology, y'all. There's a great quote in that movie when Ralph starts to read the comments underneath his YouTube video. Somebody says to him, the first rule of the internet is don't read the comments. You know why? Because that's where the crazy people live. That's where the troublemakers live. That's where the people that like to complain about everything that you can never make happy live. I remember uh, back when I had Facebook several years ago, uh, Krispy Kreme was doing a free donut day. Who likes donuts in here? Raise your hand. Who likes free donuts even better? Raise your hand. You can't get much better than that, right? So they were on their Facebook page, you know, saying, you know, we're going to have this day where you can go to any Krispy Kreme and get a free donut and pick any one you want. It's great. And I'm thinking, man, that's awesome. So I clicked on it and looked at the comments underneath. You wouldn't believe, man. 
everybody. Well, I'm not going to go to Krispy Kreme because the last time I went there, this happened, and you all don't have, the donuts aren't the same as when I'm a kid. I'm thinking, shut up. You're going to ruin it for all of us, man. They're never going to have another free donut day because of these people, just a few of them that won't quit. Everybody get what I'm saying? I'll say it for you, okay? I'll be the bad guy. That's fine. So it is here in this story. Just a few gets a whole city in an uproar. These are the rumor starters. These are the gossipers. These are, I don't know how to put it other than they're troublemakers. Uh, Scripture has another word for these people, wolves. They're wolves. Starting lies, perpetuating rumors, seeking to harm people. Uh, wants to get an entire group stirred up, not just a person. Uh, wants Paul to be harmed over lies that aren't even true. These are evil people that have a form of religion. Remember, they're Jews, but they don't know Christ. Uh, maybe you've heard it this way. It says in 2 Timothy, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power there within. That's wolves. Wolves seek to not just talk, but they seek to... Notice this, steal, kill, and destroy. They want, to, they want to destroy you. They want to destroy your family. They want to destroy your church. They want to destroy your life. Notice these wolves. They have strategically manipulated people in order to destroy someone with lies. And really, honestly, their end goal is to destroy the church here. These are people that, yes, gossip is absolutely sinful. It's something that's completely wrong. I'm not minimizing it. They're not just gossiping. They're slandering. You want to know the difference between gossip and slander? Slander is repeating something that you know for a fact is not true. Gossip is repeating something that you're not sure is not true. That's the difference. These are people that just flat out yeah, they're gossiping, but they're also slandering, just making stuff up. Now, you may think I'm describing politics in America today, but I'm actually I'm describing spiritual warfare that's going to come against every single person in this room. Now, in the month of November and December, we're going to do a series on spiritual warfare that I believe is very timely for our church. Uh, we're going to go through uh, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, and you'll hear it preached on, I really think, uh, different than you've ever heard it preached on before. It's going to be super applicational. It's going to be really, really good. But this is a picture of spiritual warfare that is played out. You know, this really begs the question for us as we read through this. As a church and an individual, what do you do when you find yourself in the presence of a wolf? I don't think I've ever heard anybody really answer, what do I do if I find myself in a relationship with a wolf? What do I do if, if I find myself in the presence of a wolf and I realize they're looking to steal, kill, and destroy? Because here's the reality, guys. Where there are sheep, the wolves are never far away. Everybody with me, say amen. Let me say that again. We're sheep. Jesus describes his church as sheep. And where there are sheep, 
The wolves are never far away. Let me give you four things you do in the, in the line of thinking of us as you know, metaphorically, figuratively sheep uh, that we can learn from sheep uh, if they find themselves in the presence of a wolf. Number one, you run. Get away from them. Don't play with it. Throw Jezebel out the window, y'all. Get away from it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I just quoted this. Let me read the whole thing to you. Having a form of godliness, people that have a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Listen to the rest of that passage. They're the kind that worm their way into homes and gain control, listen to this, y'all, over gullible women. I didn't say that. The Bible speaks specifically to a gender in here. Let me reiterate this for the ladies in here because Scripture says this. I'm not being sexist. I'm just telling you, ladies, you need to be extra careful when it comes to gossip, when it comes to wolves, because you're going to be tempted to say, well, I'm going to help them. I'm their sounding board. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be their friend because they don't have, you better cut them out. You better cut them out. You better run. They're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of truth. Run from them. Number two, bite them. Sheep don't, you know, have a whole lot of offense, but one thing they can do is they can bite you. you know, I don't know if you've ever been bitten by a sheep, but I hear it hurts. It's never happened to me. In other words, you have an offensive weapon, and it's called the sword of the Spirit. More on this in a couple of months. Jesus was tempted three times in the wilderness. And all three times, Jesus did not fight Satan himself with his fists, with his intellect. He fought him with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. You bite back offensively with the Word of God. Let me read Romans chapter 16 to you as Paul speaks on this further. Now I urge you, brethren... Keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they got that it factor, y'all. You know, they, they sure do seem cool. By their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting for the report of your obedience has reached to all therefore i'm rejoicing over you but i want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil and the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet the grace of our lord jesus be with you thirdly get with the flock get with the flock is everybody with me say i am Wolves never go after a sheep that is with the flock. It's almost as if they are a roaring predator going about seeking who they may devour and using wisdom in order to pick certain sheep off. And typically those sheep are the ones that maybe they're weaker, maybe they're not as mature, and maybe they haven't learned this yet. They get away from the flock somehow. That's when the wolf pounces. You get back with the flock. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, The verse I'm getting ready to read to you, this is what church is about. 
Most of you guys would not be here for my sermons because you can probably find better ones online. Let's be serious. They've got TV programs where they cut them up and make them sound great. Okay? This is why we do church. This verse encapsulates really what it's all about. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Get back with the flock. Get some people around you that can fight that wolf off with you. Get back with the flock. Third, fourthly, fourthly, y'all still with me? Say, I am. I know this is serious, but it's meant to be serious, okay, y'all? This is very important because so many Christians walk around with their head in the clouds, totally gullible, totally naive, don't know any scripture, hardly know any theology, and you have wolves that come into your life, and you don't even see it till it's too late. Fourthly, ask for help. Ask for help. Has anybody ever heard a sheep scream before? Anybody in here ever heard a sheep scream? We've got a picture or an example of a sheep screaming. You guys go ahead and put that one up, okay? Yeah. We're going to leave that up the rest of the time I preach, okay, y'all? Okay, y'all, that's enough. Like, come on. <laughs> If you talk to a shepherd, a good shepherd, pun intended, I'm going to read that scripture here in a minute, they'll tell you that they know the differences in the noises that their sheep make. And that there is, I see my brother on the back shaking his head because he works with them most likely. And that there is a yell or a noise that a sheep makes when it's in trouble and a wolf's around. And a good shepherd comes running to take care of that wolf. Yell for help. Number one, yell for help from Jesus, who is our good shepherd. But number two, understand that the church is set up in such a way where you have leaders over you, most likely. Pastors, elders, small group leaders that are under shepherds. We're not the good shepherd. We're not the main shepherd. We're under shepherds, as it says in the book of Peter. In fact, let me, let me read uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. This is speaking to pastors and to elders. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. God wants you to, to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Go up the ladder with it, man. Not, I'm not saying that pastors are any better than you. We're more spiritual. We have a special connection to God that you can't have. I'm just saying the structure is there. You come in contact with a wolf, let somebody know. Definitely let Jesus know. Listen to what Jesus said. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Total destruction is what they're after, y'all. That's why this is so important. I've come that they may have life and have it at its fullest. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, and the sheep are not his own. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm not going to deal with this. Most churches today got wolves all in them. Leaders are scared to death. Well, the bylaws don't allow me to shoot the wolf, so I'm just not going to do it. Let's just be honest, y'all. Okay? They're hired hands. 
I've come that they may have life and have it at its fullest. I'm the good shepherd. Oh, I've already read that. The hired hand is not the shepherd, and the sheep are not his own. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf pounces on them and scatters the flock. Psalm 23, one of the most popular psalms that there is in Scripture, says this. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Two pieces of equipment that a shepherd has. A staff is that thing we all see in the Christmas play. It's that long piece with the hook on the end. That's designed to guide the sheep. Sheep get stuck somewhere, grabs them by the neck, pulls them out somewhere and helps to guide them. But then the shepherd has a rod too. And the rod is used when that sheep yells and that shepherd goes, oh man, they're in trouble. There's a wolf around. He pulls that rod out that's about the size of a small baseball bat and on the end of it typically has nails and pieces of metal and glass that are attached to it. And he goes and saves the sheep and beats the wolf to death, y'all. That's what that scripture's talking about. You're going to kill the wolves. You're going to get them. Now, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. I'm not talking about just people, okay? I'm talking about our very real enemy that usually works through people that you need to be aware of. Is everybody with me? Say amen. amen. So ask for help. Ask for help. Let's continue in verse 31 since y'all are so pumped up and like happy now. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. So here Paul is getting arrested. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Since the crowd shouted one thing and some another, and since the commander, listen to this phrase, because this is how the enemy works, okay? Could not get at the truth because of the uproar. Satan can create such a distraction that you can't even get at the truth. Y'all know that? And if you ever find yourself in a situation when you're having a hard time discerning what the truth is, or you can't even hear the truth, you better know there's some wolves around somewhere. Be careful that you don't get distracted from truth. He ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, get rid of him. It's very reminiscent of Jesus, right? There's so much here, but I just don't have time to go over it. The crowd that followed him kept shouting, get rid of him. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? So they mistaken Paul for somebody. Paul answered, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. It's crazy, man. We're going to stop right here because we don't have time. But Paul, man, he's a, he's a hardcore preacher. You know, I love preaching to crowds like y'all that are laughing and you're engaging and you're amening and, and you laugh at the jokes. Paul, uh, he wasn't always about that. Uh, I've, I've preached to some rough crowds, what I consider rough crowds. Like I've had people you know, just, just fall asleep on me. Like I told you a few weeks ago, I've had people sit in a crowd and shake their head no at every single thing I say. No joke. Uh, Doc Perrigan was here in the first service and he remembers this on a Saturday night service about a year or two into the church. We had a heckler in the back the whole time. The whole time he was going, that's wrong. That's wrong. I'd preach something. That's wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy, blah, 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 blah. Like we've, I've had some crazy stuff, but I've never preached to a group of people that had beat me and wanted to kill me. 
Isn't that crazy? Paul's hardcore man. He's putting it all on the line. He's willing to give his life for the gospel. As there's a natural break in this scripture right here, this really is the thing that kicks off Paul's prison journey, his prison tour, his prison missionary journey, his trials, I guess, as some people refer to it. I just want you to notice, we're going to pray right after I make this point. What Satan meant for evil, God ends up using for good. Because when we get back into the book of Acts, we're going to take a little break for the next few months uh, to give us some breathing room in the book of Acts, and we'll end up back in Acts at some point. There's a natural break here, and we'll go through the trials of Paul and uh, how he was imprisoned and all that. But, but you, you notice that what Satan meant for evil, God uses for good. Paul ends up sharing the gospel with people, even the king himself, that he never would have had the opportunity to share the gospel with if it wasn't for this riot that was started by these wolves. That makes sense to everybody? I hope that comforts you. God uses all things for good for those that are called according to his purpose, if you're in here this weekend. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the book of Acts. Uh, God, again, I, selfishly I pray, and of course I want your will. I want you to do what you're going to do in your sovereignty, but selfishly as a pastor, I, I pray that we absorb this message and it allows us to change. God, there are people under the sound of my voice that have a demonic stronghold in their life of gossip. And whether they see it or not, they do. It controls them. It is choice morsels to them. They can't wait to hear it. It's a Twinkie. They can't wait to, to, to give it. They, they just they love it. And God, maybe it's something, a pathway that's been set in their brain for, for years, maybe decades. I pray for repentance, God. I pray for your Holy Spirit to convict and to set people free. I pray for your people and your church. God, it is by your sovereignty that we land on this passage. I love going through books of the Bible because this is what happens. I pray that you protect your people. Give them the strength to be obedient, to do what it is you lead and guide them to do. I pray that they walk in the Spirit and are full of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.